Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10am every Sunday. Lord, we pray for Neil and uh, we thank you that um, you have a word for us. That you don't keep silent, but actually you speak into our lives. And I want to pray, Lord, that this morning as Neil speaks what you have spoken into his heart, that we'll understand more of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I'm very frustrated this morning because I don't have a head mic and I have to have this thing and it wobbles and makes a noise. And the way I preach, it's going to wobble along. <laughs> so I might change over to that other one. We'll see how we get on. Okay, <clears throat> good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. Um, we're coming up to Easter, and I've just been reading the uh, story of Jesus towards the uh, going to the cross. And uh, I just want to share some thoughts on that this morning. If you've got a Bible, if you turn to John chapter 18, I'm going to read quite a long passage but I think it's important for us to get the context of what is going on here and we're going to start at verse 28 no we're not we're going to start yeah we'll start at verse 28 Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor his accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them because they were Gentiles and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, what is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. And Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? he asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said, so you are a king. And Jesus responded, if you say I am a king, actually I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognise that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Big question. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, he's not guilty of any crime. But you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. 
Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm not going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourself and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters and said to him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realise that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin. And Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shout, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. And Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him, crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priests, shouted back. And Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. Okay. Peter, at the beginning of the meeting, he didn't didn't know what I was speaking of, but he said at the beginning of the meeting, in Matthew, there's an additional piece in Matthew, and Pilate says to the Jews, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And he washes his hands ceremonially and says to them, he's not guilty as far as I'm concerned. And the Jews' response to Pilate saying that is this. We will take the responsibility for his death, we and our children. Just think about that for a minute. Jesus is before Pilate who finds him not guilty. And when he tries to hand them over, the Jews say, we will take responsibility for his death and our children. That is a massive responsibility. Huge. And to make it worse, the Jews then use Caesar as a lever to get Jesus crucified. Because what they say is that we have no king but Caesar, which goes against completely the Old Testament. Who is the king of the Jews? (coughs) Jehovah. He is their king. In this moment, they throw that into the dustbin. They throw it away completely. And they say, we have no king but Caesar. They hated the Romans. The Romans lorded it over them, treated them so badly, they hated them. But in this moment, they hated Jesus more. They were prepared to forget their heritage 
You remember right back in the Old Testament, they said, we want to be, have a king to be like other nations. That was the Jews. We want to have a king to be like other nations. And that's how they got Saul. Before that, God was their king. It wasn't enough. Now, they're prepared to throw it all away and say, Caesar is our king. I tell you, I... When I read this again, it just really hit me so hard. And in that moment, the Lord said to me, you would have been one of them. You would have been one of them. Because the crowd was whipped into a frenzy in that moment. I like Pilate. Funnily enough, I feel a bit sorry for him. And you might struggle with that, that's fine. But four times he tries to release Jesus and he says, I find no guilt in him. He cannot understand what this man has done. That's partly due to his heritage being a Roman and not being a Jew. But being a Jew, Jesus said he was the son of God and that was the key for them. As far as they were concerned, that was blasphemy. And if you blaspheme, you must die. And so Pilate's in this horrible position of having the Jews baying at him on one side, he's got Caesar who he has to answer on the other side, and he's stuck in the middle. And he tries his best, but actually it's never going to work anyway, because God had ordained that Jesus was going to be crucified for our sins. Before the foundation of the world, this was decided. So when Pilate says, don't you realise that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Jesus says this, you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above, from God. And that is the key. Pilate can do what an earthy likes, but in this moment he has no power. Because God has the power. God ordained that Jesus was going to go to the cross. The truth is he did have the power to release Jesus or crucify him. And yet Jesus remains so calm in this storm because he knows that God the Father has ordained that this is his position and he's going to go to the cross. The This was not where the decision to go to the cross was made in this passage. The decision to go to the cross was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus sweat great drops of blood, and in that moment he said, not my will, but yours, to God the Father. That was the moment the decision was made that he was going to die on the cross. Because his will was, if you can take this away from me, God, then take it away, please, And God the Father said, no, this is where you're going. In that moment, he was going to the cross. There's a far bigger picture going on here than just the Jews and the Romans. It's, It's a whole kingdom principle. This is God's great plan from the beginning of time, from the beginning of when sin came into the world in the Garden of Eden. This is God's plan to redeem a people for himself. And the only way is for Jesus to go to the cross and die for my sin and your sin and the world's sin. The perfect man, the perfect sacrifice. 
That was his plan right from the beginning of time. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about Jesus coming. From the seed who would crush the serpent's head in Genesis to the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53 to the prediction of the messenger of the Lord, John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for the Messiah. All of those are fulfilled in Jesus Christ going to the cross. Read Matthew chapter 1. The messianic line, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And we think about those passages, we think they're really boring. It's just a list of names. But it is glorious because what it shows is, it shows this is God's plan through thick and thin, through circumstances that you would not believe, this is where Jesus is going to go and this is where he's come from. I love the messianic line. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham's going to kill Isaac. He can't kill Isaac because Isaac's in the Messianic line. We know the end of the story. It's like reading a book and already knowing the end. There's no way Isaac can be sacrificed. Is he in the Messianic line? He's got to have a baby and that baby's going to be in the Messianic line. Hallelujah. But in the moment, Abraham didn't know. He took his son and he was prepared to sacrifice him. But he's in the Messiah's line. He's Jesus' relative. Hallelujah. And what does God do? He provides the lamb in the moment. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, will provide. And it's just a foretaste, the whole story of Abraham and Isaac, a foretaste of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And this time, the son is sacrificed. The Lord provided the perfect sacrifice for us. Rahab, the prostitute. Is that not? Rahab, the prostitute. Who would think that Rahab, the prostitute, would be in the Messianic line? But she is. What a glorious story of redemption. Here she is, a woman, an immoral woman, a prostitute in the Bible, and now she's in the Messianic line. Hallelujah! Doesn't that give you hope? No matter how bad your sin is, God can redeem you. He redeemed Rahab the prostitute. She is the mother to Boaz, who marries Ruth, that wonderful love story in the Old Testament. And you think, oh, it's just a beautiful love story. No, it's part of God's great plan. That she was going to be out in the field and Boaz was going to see her and they were going to fall in love and she was going to sit at his feet. The kinsman redeemer. What a wonderful love story. But it's even greater when you know that Boaz is in the Messianic line. Because it was written in the heavens. It's not just a love story. It's not Mills and Boom. <laughs> oh no. It's written by God in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. What a wonderful love story it is. Maybe we'll preach on it one day. Through David and Bathsheba. That sinful relationship. David letting God down in such a massive way. What does God do? He redeems the situation. He redeems it. And Solomon is born. Who is in the Masonic this is our God. Nothing is beyond his redemptive power. <coughs> Nothing and no one is beyond 
his redemptive power. Hallelujah. Jacob, Joseph, Mary, and finally Jesus. Hallelujah. Read Matthew chapter 1. Let it bless you. You know the Masonic line continues when Jesus was um, when Jesus died on the cross and that, that uh, curtain in the temple is ripped in two. My name is now in that line. Your name is now in that line because he opened it to all the Gentiles. Hallelujah. What a wonderful saviour we have. Sorry, none of that's in my notes. Anyway. I don't know where I am. You see, the, the point is this. Pilate thinks he has the power to stop what God has preordained before the foundation of the earth. And that's why Jesus remains so calm and collected in this situation. Because he knows this is what the Father has ordained. What <coughs> Pilate says is a hollow boast. You have no power, Pilate, except what God has given to you. It reminded me of um, when the kids were little, uh, uh, probably teenagers. I used to say to them, if they were naughty or they did something wrong, I'd say to them, be careful, I was going to give you a letter of warning. And uh, they used to say to me, Dad, you can't give us a letter of warning. We don't work for you anymore. You know, we don't, it's not, you're not in the business today. I'm your son, I'm your daughter, you can't give me a letter of warning. And they still remind me of that to this very day. But actually, it's a hollow boast. I can't give them a letter of warning. I can tell them off. But I can't sit there and write a letter. You did this and this is the consequence. Da, 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 da. doesn't work. The important point here is Pilate did not decide to crucify Jesus. Neither did the Jews. It was God who decided. And Jesus. John 10, verse 17 to 18 says, The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. And that's the truth. Jesus laid his life down voluntarily. When Jesus prays in John 17, just prior to arrest, he says this, I brought glory to here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And that's what this is all about. It's about Jesus completing the work that God has given him to do. The work Jesus was sent to do was to seek and save those who are lost. To provide a way that the sins of all who would believe in him would be forgiven. And to reconcile sinful man to God. 2 Corinthians says, All this is a gift from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a message of reconciliation. Namely, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ not counting men's sins against them. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Fantastic verses. So, how does this help us in our daily lives? In our lives, often people think they have power over us. This could be your boss who treats you unfairly, teacher who doesn't like you, your business partners, a colleague, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, your finances, any and all situations 
They use their position to say they have control. But in truth, they only have the control that God lets them have. And that is a massive lesson for us all to learn. Now, you know about my situation at work, and I've spoken about this before, but I was, I think I was with the elders, and uh, I said to them in this meeting, uh, they have all the aces, meaning the odds are stacked in their favour. And that is how I felt in my heart. And as I walked out of that meeting, I was literally in the foyer bit there, and God said to me, who holds all the aces? And it was one of those moments where you walk along and you stop, because you know God has just spoken to you. And I want to ask you this morning, whatever situation you are struggling with, whatever situation is overwhelming, who holds all the aces? Because you see, the enemy will tell you that it's the person that is front of you. You've got a boss who always overlooks you for promotion. He always talks down to you. He doesn't give you any credit. Who holds all the aces? Him? Or God the Father? And we have to learn this lesson. It's not easy. Because in that moment... You have to walk by faith and not by sight. And our problem is most of us walk by sight and not by faith. We've got it the wrong way around. And the enemy loves it. He will fill your mind with that particular boss in that particular situation that that guy is immovable. He's been there 30 years. There's no way he's going anywhere. You are stuck. He will tell you everything. You are never going to get anywhere in this business. You need to move jobs. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do that. And what he's doing is he's saying he has got the power to control your life. And in that moment, we have to have faith in God and say, no, you hold all the aces. He only has what you're allowing him to have. Just as Pilate only has what God let him have. Now, I don't know all your situations. It may be something very simple, but it could be the boss one, because I've prayed for people before, and they've said, I've got this boss, and he's just got it in for me, and it's a nightmare. I think I should leave. And, you know, we've prayed, and suddenly this boss has got promotion and been moved to a completely different part of the business. That's our God. I believe that 100%. That is our God. He does not want you to suffer unnecessarily. But walking by faith is the key. Because you will not be able to see what God can do. And it's in that moment of darkness, you have to trust God and say, God, you are with me. Now, when everything's going well, it's, it's easy to trust God, isn't it? When everything is smooth, yeah, I trust the Lord. Thank you, Lord. When the going gets tough and you're in a dark place, that is hard. And I remember a guy preaching many years ago, I think it was at New Day, and he said, never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. And I've always remembered that. I thought it was so good. Never doubt in the dark. 
what God told you in the light. And we have to bring truth into these situations. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, really well-known verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. We like quoting the first bit of that verse, but we don't often quote the second bit. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. That is key. You see, what we do is write a list of pros and cons. And we think, right, pros, this, this, this and this. Cons, this, this, this and this. What looks the best side? That's going to decide my decision. Or we'll go and speak to other people about it and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Listen. Go to God. He can see things you do not even know about. He has you in his hands. He cares for you. He loves you. He delights in you. We've heard it this morning right the way through the worship. You are precious to God. That pearl of greatest price. That's what you are to Jesus. And yet we treat him as though we're not that. We treat him as actually a bit of a, an annoyance. You know, my mum lives by herself now. She has a great faith in God. And she said to me the other week, she said, you know, I pray to the Lord all the time. Do you think I annoy him? And I said, Mum, he loves it. He loves the fact that you trust in him, that you have a relationship with him, that you can go to him about absolutely anything. That is what he wants. But so often in our Christian lives, we write our lists, we think about it until we've just got a headache, and then finally we've worn ourselves out. Oh, Lord, could you help me in this situation? And the Lord's like... Why didn't you come to me three weeks ago, four weeks ago, six months ago? We have to trust him in those moments. Matthew says this. <clears throat> Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your souls. I love that. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of the bully at work. They cannot touch your soul. Love it. Thank you, Jesus. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing about it. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Thank you, Lord, for those verses. You are valuable to God. He cares for you. He is for you. He is with you. Trust him. Put your faith in him. John Piper says this, Pilate had authority. Herod had authority. The soldiers had authority. The Jewish leaders had authority. Satan has authority. But none of it is independent. All their authority is derivative. All of it is subject to God's will. Don't fear. You are precious to God the Father. Far more precious than the sparrows, and yet none of them fall to the ground without the Father knowing about it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to finish with Philippians. 
You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died the criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour. Hallelujah. And gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Wonderful verses. That's my heart this morning. Is Lord Jesus, I want to elevate you to the highest honour. I want to give you, thank you that you've got the name that is above all names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Jesus is Lord of all the earth. He is King of all the earth. In the prayer meeting this morning, we just said, we need to recognise who Jesus is. He's King of all the earth. King of kings and Lord of lords. He is King over your situation. You may not feel it, but he is. He's King. He has your back. Believe in him. Trust in him. And have faith in him that he will get you through because he will. Amen.